Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 62. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday. Steelers Nation getting closer to Saturday's game on the 16th against the Indianapolis Colts, a big wild card showdown between a pair of seven and six teams. Dave, how you doing? I am ready for this uh, for this game this week to get the last two uh, behind us. Now that I've gone through it kind of thoroughly, and I even cracked open the Indianapolis uh, Colts tape uh, last night. Start looking at them, and uh, really interested to see how this team responds after two losses to two two and ten teams. And man, you you know every team around the NFL can say, "What if, man? If only we would have won uh, this game or that game." or these two games and you can always say well based on what the other teams did but the other teams are saying well if only we would have won this game but I tell you they blew they have blown a very golden opportunity the, the, the you know these last two weeks here with uh especially the way things ultimately shook out here in 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 week 14 I mean we could be staring at a number three C Pittsburgh Steelers team at this point you know, and mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, I, I'm looking forward more than anything to see how this team responds coming off of coming off the, uh, you know, two losses to two, two and 10 teams. And really this, this being a major, major turning point in the season. Right. Despite those losses, as we mentioned on Monday, Pittsburgh wins this game, their chances of making the playoffs you know, are through the roof, not guaranteed. And you still have three games to play. But to me, the winner of this one between the Steelers and Colts likely makes the playoffs and the loser of this one likely does not make the playoffs. And so those are the stakes of how I would frame Saturday's game. Are there, let's, let's go down a rabbit hole real quick. Uh, because we, you know, we don't have a lot really to talk. We talked about the Mike Tomlin press conference the other day. And since then, Mitch Trubisky talked and, and we'll go over a little bit of what he said, but it was very and good for him. It was very cliche. He looks frustrated, looks ready to get to this next game, get that last one uh, behind him and all like that. What, what kind of, what changes are you a, are you kind of looking for? Or would you be interested in the, in, in this team making, uh, uh, this week. And obviously look, your know, schematics are the schematics for the most part. You do, you don't expect them to, to revamp the whole, uh, playbook and all, but what would you like to see more of less of? Is there anybody that should be on the bench? That, that kind of thing. Well, everyone knows my thoughts on the quarterback situation, but obviously I'm accepting that Trubisky will start. So with that in mind, can he just adjust his risk meter a little bit? And I think some of the post-snap rotations the Patriots offered, as you talked about, I believe on Friday show or Monday show, gave him some fits. So adjusting to that has to be better. Just situational ball. This team is terrible on third down. They're not good in the red zone. Um, I was pulling some data last night, and I'll probably write about this either later today or later in the week. The Pittsburgh this season, I believe, is 34.8% on third down as far back as 
Pro Football Reference uh, tracks that stat, which goes back to 1999, the last time, the only other time Pittsburgh has ever been worse on third down over the course of a season was 2019, the Doc Hodges, Mason Rudolph year. So they're a really bad third down team. They're not a good red zone team. So situational football really kind of defines oftentimes whether or not you win or lose games. So from that standpoint, Pittsburgh has to be better there. Especially when they're not getting the chunks, right? And they're not, mm-hmm. you know, uh, something that Mitch Trubisky said uh, during his press conference, uh, just in an answer, and he wasn't asked about this, but he kind of volunteer, voluntarily gave it. Uh, we got to skip some third downs. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I even made that comment against the Bengals. Like they, it was good they were converting on third down, but they had 17 third downs, 16 right. excluding the middle down. And people took lot. issue with you saying yeah. that. Right. You know? But it, but it it obviously the more third down situations you get in the more you know down in distance especially with this offense the more unlikely you are to convert those things so you need to start getting it done on first and and it yeah we how brilliant of us don't get the third down right mm-hmm. uh, but you know it, it, it it's easier said uh, than done I mean we have got to start seeing this team. But but there's a there's there's a healthy balance as well too. We want them to push the football down the field. We want them to get more explosive plays. Uh, we we don't want him to be as reckless with the football. Uh, and then yet we don't want to see so many third downs. And oh yeah, when you do get into third down situations, you need to start converting them. Uh, they really need to start mixing it. They 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 need to try to find a way to get back to some of that middle of the field stuff. Some of the stuff that they showed against uh, the the uh, the Bengals there for starters. Uh, as far as the quarterback situation goes. Uh, it would not have hurt my feelings had they come out and said Mason was starting uh, this week. Now, uh, within that, it's, it's it's not like either one of us are expecting, you know, we admit that it could go be just as bad, but why not get a look at it? Uh, but within that, the fact that we know that they're not going to start Mason Rudolph, I, and I've said this a few times, I, I, and I imagine you're on board with it as well, too. If they get in a situation in this Colts game where it's not not starting out good for Mitch for whatever reason, and you, and you can pinpoint that it's on the quarterback, I, Mike Tomlin needs to really think about using that hook. Now, whether mm-hmm. or not he will, you know, uh, my gut tells me it would take a lot for him to get to that situation there. But, uh, you know, that, that, that's one thing, any personnel changes you would, you would like to see along the offensive line. And I'm guessing no, uh, overall, I mean, Dan Moore hasn't been great on tape the last couple of weeks, right? Sure. He hasn't, but nothing that I think is going to substantially change or is worth the while to make a swap right now. There is something to be said about the continuity for the O-line and without a compelling reason, health or performance or somebody on the bench. I mean, you know, some people have argued, could you, you know, move Jones to left tackle and put a core for it, right tackle. I, I think one reason why they have the configuration that they do besides the whole core four in the doghouse for the comments in the Jags game, you know, Moore and Jones are their best run blockers over a core four. And this team has to run the ball well to be effective. And you saw Jones come in at right tackle for the Titans game and the run game since it's been really effective overall sans the, the Patriots game. So right. I, I think that's why they want to keep things there. And I, I'm good with that overall. But yet, to go back to your comment, you know, on third down, you know, third down does not always have to mean you're aggressive. You're talking about that third and two play on that missed to Pickens at the end of the game. 
the, the flat to Deontay is the safer throw. It's the open throw as well. The, the, the downfield throw to Pickens was more risky. So third and two, take the with the throw that's there, the fourth and two, Robinson underneath on the rubber route, he's open, take the throw. It's it's a safer, easier throw right. than the deep shot to Deontay. So being, you know, third down does not have to mean that you have to push the ball down the field. Sometimes it just means taking what what the structure of the play is demanding and what's available based on what the defense is playing. As far as personnel goes, though, the personnel is the personnel at this point, other than yeah, you know, the, the 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 quarterback potentially. I mean, do you disagree? Do you have any thoughts in terms of personnel that you would like to see? No, because you, I, I, I think it's a dangerous time to go switching your tackles right now. And as you stated, you know, you, you, you've, you've got your two best run blocking tackles out there at this point, you know, right. so, and you're not going to do anything at, at any other position. Uh, otherwise, I, mean, I think you, I know people are saying, boy, I sure would like to see her big at center and, and all like that. They're, they're not going to do that, you know. Defensively, any changes you would like to see? Man, I I would like to see Keanu Benton get some more, probably some sub package snaps for starters. Yeah, I would too. He got just a couple of last week. Um, I, I know that they're paying Haywood and Ogunjobi, and those are their guys. But I think you know, making sure that I just don't want Benton to become just the base guy. You know, right. he's, he's can be more than that. So I understand he's not going to play a lot of sub package snaps when you have Haywood and Ogunjobi out there, but there should be some. And because of personnel and injuries on 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 the rest of that side of football, you're 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 very limited on what you heck you know you you're taking numbers at inside linebacker as <laughs> it is right now anyway. Uh, how many snaps did Michael Walker play in that game? Uh, forty or forty something, I believe. He yeah. played a pretty considerable amount. Yeah, and boy, you can bet the uh, the Colts are going to be coming after him anytime he's on the field this week, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, do you try to do something radical like, you know, move a Trenton Thompson to, you know, inside backer when Keanu Neal comes back, which when when is his four games up? Is this after the Colts game? It's got to be right around now. He got hurt in the Packers game, correct? That sounds right. How On that games? interception return. How many games since then? Good question. This should be actually at the four just passed, right? Because they played the Browns, the Bengals, the Cardinals, and the Patriots. So those are four. Uh, he was not obviously uh, designated to return yesterday, so I imagine he probably won't be back this weekend. Yeah, yeah. He, he, uh, if they didn't turn him loose in practice yesterday to open up that window, I doubt he's going to be uh, going to be up this week. So we'll have but to wait, he, wait until next week. And I believe Tomlin Monday said there was no update on right. Neil when he was asked about him. Um, but if he can come back at some point, hopefully, let's say for the Bengals game, I, I think that's a guy you might want to try it inside linebacker. He's done it before in Dallas for a season. He's got you know the skill set better, closer to the line. Yes, there's some consequences, some issues in trying to do that. But I think it's your best opportunity right now. All right. Uh, I, I just thought I'd, I'd go down a different rabbit hole. With, with with thoughts on that, what did you see in play action, Alex? That you you wrote about it or uh, had the video about it. We talked a little bit about the other day mm -hmm. about the about the numbers. Yeah, just going through the tape, and the numbers don't always tell the story to me in terms of how effective play action can be. You can still get a decent gain on a play designated as play action, but the actual you know play fakes not fooling anybody. And I don't know. I I was just kind of spitballing. You guys can see the video. I'm not blaming any one person or really even making a, a an incredibly concrete point the the thought was i don't see play action really fooling defenses the way the pittsburgh i think is hoping that it will and especially with a run game that has been really strong 
you would think and would hope the play action would would be able to to be a bit more effective. Not that you have to run the ball for play action to be effective, but it doesn't hurt when you do that. And I just don't see play action really getting the defense to bite the way that I think other defenses do against different teams. Is it the mechanics? Uh, when I look at it at times, they're not exactly selling it perfectly. The mechanics, you, you know how sure. Peyton, Peyton Manning uh, has mm -hmm. talked over the years. And if you go back and watch some of those, uh, what is the name of that series that he did uh, on, on ESPN that I, that I it wasn't just the sheriff, right? That no, sound, no, right? I forget that what they called that series where he would, we were, where he would look at uh, the, the play of quarterbacks every week. I forget the name of it, but uh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, but you know, he, he would, he would continually go back to some of his old practice tape where he constantly mm -hmm. would, would try to make those look like runs. And, you know, to me, that's something that you could probably work on every week in practice, right? you know, on, uh, or at least after practice for a good 15 minutes is trying to, trying to make that stuff, try to sell it more, you know, uh, you better be working on it. Yeah. I mean, because that, that, that's one way you can influence by making the linebackers actually think you're going to hand that football off. And, and it looks like they're, 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 they're so, uh, worried about post play action, you know, Mm -hmm. that, that the, the actual mechanic now how, how much would it actually help well it couldn't hurt I'll, I'll i'll say that you know uh giving the appearance that you're actually handing the football off the more you can do it the more you would think it would, it would help influence it's an element of it i think the two main elements in terms of successful play action is the actual execution of the play fake and then just how the line executes the fake as well you know you can get your low hat high hat read if it's a high hat read you're getting pass read you're gonna you know assume it's not going to be a run play so you're dropping back if you can really sell the run fake with that low hat read from the offensive line collectively some of those linebackers are keying that as much as they are actually the the backfield action so um, yeah, again, I, I don't know exactly what the issue is. I don't know. They, they've done it a lot against zone. I don't know. You think play action is better against zone because there's eyes and vision on the football or better against man because linebackers might be more aggressive. And I, I'm not sure which is actually probably the better defense to to use play action against. Well, I mean, more than anything, those those interior inside linebackers, right? Th those are the guys you really want to influence. And if their eyes are forward, you know, especially if it's mm -hmm. run that. Yeah, you know, in run situations, the more that you can make your runs build off of, and that's something this team's had problems doing for years, right? Is mm -hmm. making their run, turning their run plays into pass pass plays, and and influencing with play action within that. You know, making it all, and we well, this goes back to something we talk about every year. You know, um, trying to make things look as much uh, as much as other things as much as possible. Sure, you want to marry your run and pass game by making them look identical, so the defense doesn't know until it's too late. That's ideally how it looks, and Pittsburgh has not gotten to that point. Are they running enough RPOs right now? They're not running many. It depends on whether or not you love or not. You're going to see a team that runs the heck out of yeah. RPOs in the Colts, man. They are an RPO-based offense. So, I mean, you know, it's just a personal preference. I personally would like to see some more. They they did have uh, basically one RPO they ran again and again against the Patriots, this power read with a stack to the bottom where you can throw the screen or they can hand the ball off. They ran that probably five, six times. So they're running some RPOs, but there's not much of a variation. It's kind of they bring one or two RPO plays per game whereas the Colts have about every variation under the sun. It feels like uh, this is going to be another one of those games where, where, where the Steelers better be able to run the football. 
you know. And, sure. I mean, that's true for them for essentially right. every game. You know, you look at, right. you know, the wins and losses, how well they run the football is usually pretty clearly defined. All right. Uh, where to from here? Mitch, injury report. Or let's injury, go injury report. report. Yep. Yeah, let's uh, talk about the Tuesday injury report coming out a day early because of the Saturday game. Everything bumped up a day this week. Four Steelers not practicing due to injury on Tuesday. They are quarterback Kenny Pickett with the ankle, running back Najee Harris, the knee. Isaac Sayamali, the guard, a shoulder, a Landon Roberts, a groin injury, five players limited, including both outside linebackers in concussion protocol, Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt, Keanu Benton with the oblique, Cam Hayward, groin, DeMonte Casey, ankle, again, all limited there. James Pierre was full with a shoulder. He should be able to play or at least healthy enough to play against the Colts. So good initial sign for Highsmith and Watt to be limited, to be working in some capacity. Still have to work through protocol. Still no guarantee they play against the Colts, but it's trending in that direction that both will be available. Those are the two that we're going to have circled the rest of the week, right? Uh, boy, uh, I, at least it doesn't look like James Pierre for special teams purposes. Uh, won't. I, I kind of wondered with him ultimately missing that game, and I guess it was because of a short week uh, mm-hmm. uh, there with that. But uh, and, and not like he's going to help the defense, but uh, at least he'll be out there for – for or should be with special teams, but it goes without saying Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt are the two, two players that, uh, were, you know, everyone will be most concerned about moving forward through uh, the final two, two days of practice here. I know that we're the only people that may care about it, but I forgot to check who was the opposite gunner, a uh, Boykin in this game with Pierre being down. I didn't uh, go back and, and check that. Let me see if I can pull up my special teams tape that, uh, I can scrub back through. Was it rush? No, Rush was, he was down, right? Uh, Rush was up. Rush was up. Okay, so who was the other gunner? Did you, did you happen to catch him? Uh, hold on. Let me, uh, let, me, let me get it real quick here. Who did you think it might be? I'm going to have to look at it by player. I think I guessed Rush on our Friday show. I'm trying to look through. It looks like maybe Trenton Thompson. Uh, hold on. Let me. I might be wrong about that. I am going to look as well here to, I don't have it pulled up here. It does look like Darius Rush 21, like opposite of Boykin. Okay. At least on the first punt that they had. All right. Let me pull up, uh, see if I can pull that up in PFF real quick here. Snaps by position, special teams, detailed, and he played, looks like Gunner left six times. Okay, so there you go. So he was the replacement there, which is no surprise that it in college, even his last year at South Carolina when he's playing on defense, he was a pretty prolific gunner. And I think Terrell Austin or somebody made mention of that at one point after he was acquired. That was a that was the first snap. Really, uh, he had played L1 on kickoff coverage in week 12. Uh, That was really his. That week was uh, his first real special team snaps. And then this past week, it looks like he got 17 special team snaps overall. He was the vice uh, on punt return, the gunner on punt coverage, and L1 and R or R1 on kick coverage. And those are the furthermost outside players, L1, R1, for those wondering. Um, but no defensive snaps for him, unfortunately, in this game. Right. But with the safety group being a bit healthier, uh, there was no opportunity for Rush to get in there. Okay. Uh, what about Watt? 
Yeah, they just have to go through protocol. I mean, again, the fact that they were limited is often a good sign that they'll, they'll be able to clear it and they're not experiencing symptoms to the point that, that they couldn't practice in some capacity, but we'll just have to wait and see. Now, bouncing off of that, Ian Rappaport yesterday afternoon tweeting the NFL, NFLPA, looking into the protocol, how it was handled. He did say that standard operating procedure, so not necessarily concerning or anything out of the ordinary. We'll see if anything comes from it. I think it's fair to question the process, but again, I'm not seeing currently in front of me any evidence that Pittsburgh did anything wrong. Yeah, once again, I go back to what uh, Kaylee Hartong uh, said during that broadcast, and obviously we're, we're at full submission of what she reported in that, but saying that he was in uh, the, the the tent with us with the uh, independent neurologist for for four minutes, I, I I take her at her word on that, and uh, all that stuff you would you would theorize would have to be documented, right? I imagine there's some something to be tracked there. Sure, I I mean, I'm sure they'll when, talk when, to the UNC and the team trainers and doctors. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, I said independent, uh, unaffiliated. Uh, you would you would think that guy has to fill out some kind of uh, TPS report or something <laughs> <laughs> after the game. That uh, uh, I wonder. I wonder what the minutia of that is of, about uh, you know how, how actually how long the process has to be and do, how they have to log it. And you you would think you know the the, the NFL's become so detailed and, and supposedly so serious about it that all they would have to do is pull up the the independent reports on it. Yeah, I was in there. I saw I I I, I ran them through this test and that test and the elapsed time. I wonder if they lost. You know what I'm saying? I wonder mm-hmm. how detailed that stuff goes. You might be able to go back on the Tua stuff last year and find out. I mean, it's never been covered to that degree before. I don't know the process or if that information exists, but if it does, I imagine it came out with the Tua uh, head injuries last year. And and obviously, they probably wouldn't release the specifics related to it. But I just I just wonder about the process. And what I'm getting at here is it should be pretty cut and dry with the two sides digging deeper into this of 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 what it all boils down to what UNC found, right? I mean, it does, but in terms of concussions, are concussions cut and dry? I mean, again, the evidence seems to suggest he had something going on there, probably in-game with the visor change, the migraine right after the game, which probably did not start right after the game, if you had to guess. So, you know, I, I get the in terms of the, the process and, and potential paperwork, that may be cut and dry talking to those people associated with checking on Watt, but trying to, to determine fact from fiction and just, you know, who made the right call. In these medical situations, it might be tougher to do. I, I I don't know. I really don't know much about the process. Right. Uh, well, we'll find out what they find out with that. We will. From the Colts' perspective, Jonathan Taylor, their starter, their star, and had been starting running back, missed the last two games with a thumb injury. He did not practice. Head coach Shane Steichen saying he has a chance to play, but probably just a chance right now. It was my interpretation of it, uh, but we'll monitor his status throughout the week. If he can't go, Zach Moss will continue to be there starter and workhorse no other really i think serious injuries Braden smith one of their offensive linemen he got hurt a couple weeks ago he did not practice so that is one name to watch there they should get some other guys back in their linebacker ej speed uh juju brent should play deforest buckner should play but jonathan taylor the name that sealer fans will be watching to see if he actually gives it a go yeah and it does it doesn't feel with some of the line of questioning and he was asked, uh, uh, Shane was, I, I think, during his yesterday pro, pro, uh, pro, uh, press conference, 
uh, will, will Jonathan, is the plan for Jonathan Taylor to play at all the rest of the season? He said, yes, obviously. And look, I mean, they haven't moved him to IR. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. They expect to get him back at some point. I'm not convinced that this is going to be the week for that, though. I'm with you, Dave. So anything else from an injury perspective, we'll watch the report today. I guess the final one will be on Thursday, I assume. And we'll see if Watt and um, Highsmith get clearance. Yeah, all eyes on him. I think uh, even though he's not a doctor, Cameron Hayward's uh, optimistic that they'll have both those guys this week. So we'll see. There you go. Quarterback speaking yesterday, of course, not Kenny Pickett, but both Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky meeting with the media. We'll start with Trubisky. Did not have much to say. Um, You know, got to get George Pickens the ball more. Got to start faster. Trubisky says he'll benefit from extra reps that he didn't really get to have last week and just having the one true practice on Wednesday prior to Thursday's game. So fair points there. But again, the results are really all that matters. Yeah. uh, And once again, all... It was like an eight-minute session, but he he did a good job of keeping his answers real short and real cliche there. The main takeaways uh, that I had really really came uh, from from that first line of question that he had about having a full week of practice opposed to one day. Uh, he says it should help for sure. We need the reps. I need the reps. That allows me to continue to get comfortable in the offense. He should be comfortable in the offense, you would think, but uh, more comfortable in the offense and continue to work on timing with these guys and operating the offense. So a full week uh, of work is going to be helpful uh, there. Uh, what else did he say? Not much uh, overall. He thought he played a little bit better as the game went on, but obviously didn't make enough plays. Uh, talked about communication, just needing to be better and what the, what, what, what the wide receivers are seeing, what he's seeing and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Nothing earth shattering, but that's fine. Just about, you know, playing better and playing smarter and getting the victory. If you do that, then that's all that matters. Right. So, uh, look, I mean, this is a big, big week for him and he, he's got to feel it right. I'm sure. I'm sure he feel. I'm sure the whole team feels it right, right now. They know the situation that they've created for themselves. Right. Mason Rudolph speaking as well. Um, maybe a little bit more, more interesting. There was asked about has he been given a fair chance to play or start, and very masterfully deflected and kind of dodged the question there. Just said he was happy to be in the NFL and working hard, and will wait to see if his opportunity comes up. He did acknowledge he heard the chance of Mason from the crowd on Thursday <laughs> night. Said it was nice to be liked, which. Probably has not been associated with Rudolph too often in Pittsburgh. So a little nice change of pace for him. But he also understood he's been on the other side of that in terms of not being liked and chant- and fans uh, chanting for the other guy. So he's kind of gone through it all in the NFL. But bottom line is he's the backup. Will Tomlin turn to him midway through this game? Potentially, it depends on how the game goes. But uh, Trubisky's the guy until he's not. It would have to be bad, I envision. Really bad. Agreed. Probably insurmount- insurmountable bad for him to get into a game. It feels like that or an injury happening uh, uh, to do that. And it uh, just goes to show you the backup quarterback's always the most popular guy in town, right? Until he starts to play and then he's right. not. But, but yeah, no, you're, <laughs> you're right. Uh, until that point, he is. Uh, anything else from any other players? Uh, Deontay Johnson, Marcus Golden, others speaking. Anything else to caught your attention, Dave? Yeah, not overall. I mean, the, the they they seem to be, and, and I'm glad to see it. They all they most of them seem to be laying pretty low this week. Yeah, right. the, the time for talk is is over. It's time for action. It's time to produce. It's time to win. That has to happen now. Right. 
we'll say Marcus Golden seemed to take his uh, decision, team decision for him to be an active in stride, calling it a business. He's going to keep working hard. Do you think he gets a hat this week with the uncertainty of Watt and Heisman, even if both guys are cleared in play? Yeah, I don't see how you don't dress him this week. Although we'll we'll see what the uh, end end all numbers uh, as far as injured and what they might have to do for special teams. But uh, uh, I look, I was a little bit surprised. I understand once again. I understand why he was inactive, and you never go into a game thinking that you're going to lose both of your starters to to concussions. And obviously, uh, Herbig you know, has special teams value. He, he contributes a lot on special teams. Golden doesn't. I understand, but I I think I could have made the personally probably made the minutia work out a little bit better where I were. It would have got him on the field. But what well, I you know, I understand why they did it. I think you better be a little bit more selective this week, especially with those two guys uh, coming off concussions and all. Yeah, Pittsburgh does not want to have to play two outside linebackers an entire game or you know three quarters of a game as they did against the Patriots. So I would be surprised if I, I know Kyron Johnson was active last, but they weren't going to play him on defense. Right. So uh, I, I would expect Golden and Herbig to be active and dress, even if Highsmith and Watt get the green light. I would. I would. I would. I would hope that's the case. Uh, Dave, a couple pieces of news from yesterday outside the locker room. This actually came on Monday, I believe. Jay Glazer from Fox Sports was on a podcast interview talking about Mike Tomlin, the status of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And this is not a report. At least Glazer did not frame it as such, but just his speculation saying that, you know, if Tomlin was to be available or even if he's not, the Washington commander should be on the phone and call up Art Rooney and the Steelers and say, hey, is this guy available? How can we get this guy to come to Washington? Can we make a trade happen? Pointed out that Tomlin's from the area. He's from Virginia, not too far from where Washington is at. And so that certainly created headlines on our site and across the Steelers landscape yesterday. Yeah. And once again, it's not a report. It's him speculating, you know, if if something were to happen. And we've hit on this before with, with the commanders because of the link to the ownership uh, uh, with, with Josh Harris previously being part of the uh, the Steelers' ownership, right? Uh, and the, the proximity back back closer to, to Virginia would make sense. Do you do – you, now, if anybody else other than Glazier would have said it, depending on how prof- high profile they are, obviously we probably would have uh, written about it and, and potentially talked about it, but Glazier and Tomlin are, are buddies. Right. That's honestly why I wrote about it. I don't know if I would have written about it had it been anybody else just kind of speculating like that, but Tomlin is as close to Glazer as any media member. And again, not a report speculation, but you know, does Glazer know something? Does he not? But but yeah, those guys hang out. They They go to fights together. They've been spotted out just out and about. I think at uh, different uh, charity events or some some kind of stuff like that. Those guys are pretty close. Do you think he knows anything? That's what I'm asking. I mean, again, framing this as speculation, but you just wonder how how potentially informed. Uh, to be clear, I'd be very surprised if Mike Tomlin is not coaching Same. Pittsburgh in 2024. Same. I fully expect him to be there, right or wrong. Um, you know, not not going to get fired, not going to get traded, but. You know, he, now he's not saying that Pittsburgh would do it and Tomlin right. would, would want to do it. He's saying Washington should call. Does he have a, a feeling that Washington would want to call considering Harris's ties to Pittsburgh, as you mentioned, and just the, the chance to take a swing at a coach uh, with the Belichick rumors flying around as well in terms of him potentially being uh, out of New England? So how crazy would that? I mean, it, it really starting to sound more and more like Belichick's going to be out. 
We talked to Ben last week, and he said he was pretty confident that Belichick was going to be gone. The question is, how does he leave? Is it a fire? Is it a trade? Something like that. We'll have to wait and see. So, again, Washington could call. It wouldn't shock me if they did. I think Carolina would have interest as well. But I don't think Pittsburgh would reciprocate that, and I fully expect Tomlin to be in Pittsburgh in 2024. And there was also the the Bleacher Report uh, from, from uh, what's his name? Uh, Jordan, Jordan Schultz, Schultz uh, which... I mean, he he breaks a lot of news. I don't know how connected he actually is, but I I, I will say this, uh, and and have pretty much thought this the whole time. I mean, it's going to be something that's obviously speculated about, and 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 more so if this team flounders the rest of the way and doesn't doesn't make the playoffs and and yada yada. Uh, and I was asked, I was on Dave Weekly's show uh, yesterday I'm on that show every every Tuesday afternoon and, you know, asked about it as well, too. You know, my my gut tells me that that Mike Tom is going to be this coach in 2024. And, and I, I think one of the more intriguing things relate because if he, if for some reason he's not OK. That would happen right after the season, you would think, right? Because Tomlin and company like to go to all the all-star games. We know that. And they, they like to hit the trail in a hurry. Uh, this team's more than likely going to need an offensive coordinator to hire as well, too. So you would, long story short, you would want, you would think that the Steelers would get this process underway if they were to move on in some capacity from Mike Tomlin right after the season started. And on the flip side of that, when you think a decision about a uh, if, if if he were to stay, that a, a decision on an extension would happen right away, or is that something I, I, that that might they usually they usually they usually wait on the extensions, right? Now this situation may be a bit different, just considering the more uncertainty and some controversy about Tomlin's status. But usually on extensions, those aren't done immediately. Am I wrong about that? Right, they it, it feels like they they're either like April or right right when training camp gets open, right? Right. Let's just kind of look back. What were some of the dates on past extensions? Let's just let's put the the actual dates to it. It looks like April twenty twenty one was his previous extension. Not sure about other ones, but yeah, they don't happen days after the season ends. Right, but I mean, with him and not. Yeah, you know, with him only having the one year left, uh, you would think there would be. I don't know. Just just speculating here. Maybe, maybe it happens early. Uh, long story short, I mean, I, if if you're going to move on from him, would you think that that would happen not too long after the season ends? Sure, you're not going to wait until April to make that decision and lose out on potential the the the, the wave of potential new candidates that have already been you know hired by other teams, and there's probably going to be ten or so coaching vacancies this this off season, so it's going to be you know extra extra crazy. Um, but again, I expect Tomlin to stay. The Schultz report was that definitively, no matter really what happens in Pittsburgh this year, Tomlin will be back in 2024. I tend to agree. For whatever it's worth, different time. I was looking up the date that John Gruden, the last kind of really high-profile coach in that you know current coaching position, was traded from a team back in 2002. That occurred early hours of February 18th, which is mm. kind of later. But I think in this situation, if, if something were to occur, even for with Belichick, for example, that's going to happen sometime in, in probably the middle of January. Okay. All right. Peter King speaking as well, kind of touching on some similar topics. He was uh, open to the idea of this team drafting a quarterback, including Oregon's Bo Nix. Um, any takeaways from what Peter King had to offer? 
Uh, once again, just speculation on, on, on his part here. Uh, I, I can't help but keep going back to football. I might end up getting that tattooed anyway, just because it's always on my mind. Foot, Mike Tomlin uh, uh, talking about Kenny Pickett and football justice. Now, uh, that that leads me to believe that they're they're going to tie themselves to Kenny Pickett at least one more one more year uh, here. And with it within that, I wouldn't expect them to take a quarterback with their first two picks now depending on depending on the situation i i would seriously consider drafting a quarterback at some point in this thing just to have another young body in that room well how early are you talking are you talking oladokin are you talking rudolph i'm status? talking anywhere after the second round depending on you know we don't know what they might try to trade for you know to uh trade off and acquire more picks or what what have you but i would start maybe considering it third or fourth round and i'm not just going to oh he's the next one on the i'm not going to sure. play play fantasy football here where uh, i'm just crossing off names off the list if it's somebody i think that you know fits the organization that i think that that could you know uh, at the very minimum become a uh you know a long-term backup uh, but at this point now, man, you, you don't need to attach any round to anybody. I mean, you look at some of these guys around the league right now, the mm-hmm. Brownings and, 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 and the Zappies and well, Zappy DeVito, was, about Tommy uh, DeVito. Yeah. Right there, yeah. What is, what a story that is with that kid there. Now, obviously this whole thing one year from now, remember Tommy's kind of in now he, he's obviously putting up better numbers than duck Hodges did, but you know, there was a, we were, they're writing a lot of things that we were writing about Duck Hodges a couple of years ago sure, about, just about kind of the, the undrafted and the, and the, and the wins. And in fact, I think Tommy DeVito became just the third undrafted true rookie quarterback to notch three NFL wins or what, whatever that stat is. I remember writing about that and a uh, couple of years ago with that. So because yeah, Duck was one of them, mm-hmm, correct? Mm-hmm. He went three and three. Yeah, so, so ba- basically, do, how do I how do I think this will play out? I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. Uh, would I consider drafting a quarterback? Yes. But you're saying third round is when you would start right. considering right. that, right? Okay. To me, I don't I don't see the point of a third round quarterback because it's kind of the worst of both worlds, where you're getting somebody that probably you don't viewers unlikely to become a franchise kind of guy. And yet you're going to create the controversy of Pittsburgh just took a quarterback. Sure. What does that mean about Kenny Pickett? And you're going to answer those questions, kind of have that on your, on your, over your shoulder the entire time. So a late round guy, seventh round, that's one thing. But to me, I've always been in the mindset of with quarterbacks in the draft tree, they're all in, you're all out, you know, jump into the deep end and, and take your shot in the first round or early second round, or don't take one at all. I, I know, you know, lately you've seen some later round guys be able to, to work and maybe that'll sway my opinion a little bit, but to me, either you're in or you're out. I think for Pittsburgh, yeah, I expect Kenny Pickett to be the starter next year. And and I understand you're not picking top five. You're not going to get a Caleb Williams or Drake may or one of those blue chip kind of guys, but yeah, there could be a quarterback in that area. And Bo Nix, like Peter King mentioned, that's kind of in that 20 something type of range. Uh, if he becomes available or, you know, in, in spitting distance of taking him, there's going to be a conversation about, you know, whether or not you want to take a guy like that. We'll see how much homework they do on it. 
uh, pre-draft. I'm, I'm, I'm not expecting it. And even though I would consider sometime third round or, 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 or later, I, I don't expect them to do it. Uh, I think they're, I think they're all in still on Kenny Pickett. I think mm-hmm. one of the bad things with this injury and all like that is it doesn't give you these extra, uh, you know, however many games he's going to be sidelined for to get, get an extended look for him. But with, within that, how much, how much more really were you, do you think you were going to learn? Well, do you the, did do want the, to see some post Yeah. Do, do the Steelers win that game against the Patriots with, with Kenny Pickett back there? I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, Pickett would have taken better care of the football. I, I, I see the points you're making, but I don't spend much time thinking about that kind of stuff. I mean, and once again, as we talked about, there's going to be the, uh, the Kirk Cousins talk and whoever else, you know, might be out there higher, higher profile. Uh, I, I, all this is going to just go going to be us talking about all this stuff is going to end up being wasted breath uh, when it's all said and done, because I, I boil it back down to the things that Mike Tomlin uh, has said. Now, Mike Tomlin's not there. And once again, we, we talked about as well, as well too, you know, this Omar Khan can distance himself from this if he wants to, you know, Oh, Mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't draft him. You know, Kevin Kevin Colbert drafted him. You know, and how many times have we seen new new regimes come in? You know, even if it's a guy that maybe maybe he's been promoted that says, I didn't make that pick. Yeah, I mean, that's the case that he can can make. I, I think you made a really good point of Dave, that if they were going to look at a quarterback, we're going to know they're not going to hide that. You know, if they're not if they wanted Bo Nix, they're going to be at that Oregon Pro Day checking right. them out. They're not going to just not go there and still you know be in contention for Bo Nix. Bo Nix, we know the history of you know first round picks and either the GM or the head coach or both being at that Pro Day. We know how hard they worked in 2022 to go to every Pro Day, meet with every quarterback, um, overturn overturn every single stone to you know, make sure they they found in their opinion the right guy. So they're not going to slyly sneakily go take a quarterback in the first round and, and, and surprise somebody. If they're going to, if they want a quarterback, they're going to they're do their homework. We're going to talk about it. We're going to know about it. We're going to see it. And again, I doubt that occurs. And back to, back to my uh, thought about, you know, should they, you know, uh, even though in my heart of hearts, I think they should, I mean, we've, we've gone over this recently as well too. Uh, there's this, this team's going to have a lot of holes to fill, man, via, via the draft and knowing how, or, or thinking that, that we know how they're going to be in free agency and all like that, uh, to, to spend a third or fourth round pick on, on a, on a quarterback seems like a bad choice, you know, if, if they're going to be still all in on picket. I agree. But in, in terms of the question of should they, you're right. This team might have a lot of holes, but if quarterback is one of them, that becomes right. your top priority to fix. Yeah, you know, at worst, at once again, if you could get a guy that 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 at least could somehow some you know uh, somehow be a younger option to maybe push to get a look at, and at worst, maybe be be your backup for you so you can move on from a guy like like Mitch Trubisky, you know. But again, what does that look like? A third round type of dude? Like yeah. when does he get a when does he get a chance to play and show and prove himself? And again, the controversy that's going to bring up. I mean, well, obviously, yeah, me, you would hope that that Kenny, you know, make makes a huge jump, and you never have to see your backup pl- come in except kneel down. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but at least it gives you another younger option uh, to turn to. 
know? Yeah, I just think back to when they took Mason, and I know circumstances were a bit different, but there was a lot of controversy then, and obviously Ben was upset about that. I don't think Pickett would be you know, as uh, publicly upset about that. But, you know, there was a ton of controversy when they took Rudolph. You know, is he the heir? Is Ben done? Are they moving on? That same conversation is going to take place with Pickett if they take a quarterback in the third round. So I just don't like that because I don't really see what the benefit really is. Right. Okay. All right. Anything else here, Dave, that I'm missing from either Peter King or any player or any uh, analyst or anything at all that I'm you want to talk about? I think we hit most of it, didn't we? I, I mean, think so. We had already cut. The thing is, with the game being on Thursday, a lot of things has happened that we normally talk about on this day. We already talked about, uh, and and we'll, we'll we'll dive deeper into the uh, the Colts breakdown on the Friday show and have a beat writer hopefully as part of that show. And the, the Tomlin presser happened a day earlier, so we already knocked that out there. So I think we, I think the list of things to talk about today is kind of kind of shorter. Yeah, it is. Let's get to some reader emails, Dave, and close out today's show. All right. Mario Brunel writes in, good day, gents. Have we heard anything about Kenny working on his craft or getting better to help this team once he returns? Obviously, he's got to rehab, but is he also studying as to why he's been so god-awful this year? In my mind, there's nothing wrong with this team that competent quarterback play couldn't fix. I would it, it, it would invigorate every aspect of the team. Also, do we throw in the towel and draft a quarterback this year? Uh, Kenny's 26. He says, I mean, damn. Uh, we already had, you know, look, just because Dave, you know, thinks that he, he would seriously consider maybe picking a quarterback in the third or fourth round. That's just me. Uh, so many times people say, well, you guys don't talk enough about maybe what you would do. So th- there's a little something in that. Uh, uh, Alex pushed back quite, quite a bit on that. And once again, do I think that happens? No. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't. And, and I hate to keep going back to, to what Mike Tomlin said, but the whole they to me, they are willing to ride. I, I have a feeling that they're going to come out of this season willing to ride Kenny uh, 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 another year. And if it doesn't go well, then go into the 2025 draft with with, with quarterback being a high, high priority for this team. So, uh, uh, no. what's the other part of it here? Oh, Kenny, Kenny and working. Uh, look, we have. This goes back to what uh, another thing that, that, that Mike Thomas said about Kenny Pickett. He calls him a very hard worker, uh, very diligent, you know, uh, wants to win, yada, yada. I don't doubt that Kenny, a sideline Kenny Pickett, uh, I don't think is just moseying around the facility looking for, looking to empty, uh, <laughs> empty, 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 empty trash cans or anything. Yeah, I think he's part of the game planning in the film room, trying to learn. And we saw the shots of him up in the booth uh, the other night in the game against the uh, the Patriots. There, uh, people probably wondering why wasn't he on the sideline? Well, if you if 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 you're on crutches, don't they have a rule that if you're on crutches, you can't be on the sideline? The Steelers. I don't know for sure of the rule, but it would make sense if you're on crutches to not be on a sideline right. where players are coming at you. And look, maybe. Maybe a game or two up there, uh, it, looking at it from an all twenty-two perspective, wouldn't hurt Kenny Pickett. No, I mean there's a chance to kind of have a mentor. I mean, he didn't get much time to sit around before he started playing. You know, he got 
for three and a half weeks, whatever it was, you know, midway through week four, he's, he's playing. So there is a chance to, to sit and reflect and have that different perspective. There might be some value in that. But yeah, I mean, he's a worker B. I know he's putting in the time. He's, of course, rehabbing, trying to get himself healthy, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think he's just sitting on his couch watching right. reruns of Price is Right. You know, I think this guy's probably working as hard as he can to get back as soon as he can. And look, everybody I, I know is excited for whenever that happens. But in the meantime, they've got to win some games without him. However long that is, is it going to be one more game? Is it going to be two more games? We don't know, but they have got, they're not going to have him on Saturday against the Colts and, you know, just playing the odds. I, I, I kind of doubt they'll have him for the game against the Bengals as well, but we'll see. That's obviously a, a long time away, but, uh, uh, I trust that Kenny is working on his craft uh, of getting better to help this team once he returns. That's the gist of the question there. I agree. And just off topic, and I know we're going to talk about this probably a lot more, and we kind of mentioned it throughout the show, but I, I keep going back to the question of will Tomlin get an extension? When will that happen? What does that look like? One year deal? I think it might be the biggest. Is it the biggest question of the offseason? Yeah, I, I, I think so. But once again, I, I hate to keep reminding. I mean, we got the final four game. We got four games left in the season here. And do you think the four games can change that answer? I guess it depends on how bad it looks uh, or how or how good it looks. You know, you go back to that quote that 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 Art Rooney had during the the, the bats, what we like to call the bat bat signal sessions <laughs> right right after the season. Uh he he praised the way the team came on in the down the stretch in, in second half of the season and and talked about how they finished and and the importance of that. Uh, what if this this 2023 team doesn't finish well? Yeah, that's what, fair. What what's the importance? Is he just going to turn his head and and and? Say, well, we lost our starting quarterback and had a couple other injuries. That you know, is he going to paint it that way? I mean, how can he not put emphasis on improving? What is that one? Let, let me see if I can pull up that quote. I posted it the other day because it's something that really struck me when going back and looking looking back at what he said uh, last year. He says this was on January twenty sixth of 2023. I think the number one thing I always want to see in a team, right? He said, always, right. That I mm -hmm. always want to see, let's parse this out. Let's play parse this out. Uh, okay. Your favorite game. Uh, I think the uh, let, let's context and parse this out. I think the number one thing I always want to see in a team. And I think it's up to the coach to make this happen. That's pretty definitive there, right? We're going to get a 30 minute segment out of this. It's <laughs> <laughs> called stretching the runtime of the podcast. Uh, and I think that's up to the coach to make this happen is get better as the season goes on. I mean, you should be your best team at the end of the season. And so I thought we did that. Of course, talking about last year, bringing a rookie quarterback along. I think, as I said before, there's no one way to do it right. We wound up with a rookie quarterback who got better as the season went on. And I think we're excited about the future because of that. I think those things are encouraging the way Mike handled them. Yeah, it's a different story this year. That's for sure. But it's not the first. If this season finishes south and trends in this direction, it's headed. Not the first time that's happened. 2019, right. the Unleash Hell year, which was what, 09. They've had some 
pretty lousy finishes before. Uh, should should they be considered in a better situation this year than they were back in the Duck Hodges slash uh, Mason Rudolph taking over for Ben? There's more talent, but in some ways it's almost more frustrating to have similar results despite having more talent. 2020, another year they finished, you know, really poorly, by the way. So they've kind of seen this, this story play out quite a bit. But but to answer your question, I don't know. There's more talent, but there's more frustration because the expectations were higher. I mean, if you boil this down right now to these these last two losses and then add on the final four games, I mean, if they if they they can lose they could probably lose one more game if things break right and still get in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I think if they go three and one, they'll make the playoffs. Two and two gets really dicey at that point. I think three and three and one, though, I'm like ninety five percent confident they're going to make it. I don't know what seed, but they're going to be in the wild card race. Now, now on top of that, with with this game being against the Colts and them the Colts being the seventh seed and 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 all like that, and and especially piling on already back to back disappointing losses to two and ten teams. Is there any fear that? that Mike Tomlin could quote unquote lose the room if they, if they lose this game to the Colts, no matter how they lose it. And then basically you're staring at three consecutive losses with three games remaining. And uh, you, you see where I'm getting here. Where, where did, obviously this is an important game, but where does it rank as far as being one that you can afford to lose, I guess. I don't think you really can afford to lose this one. I mentioned earlier, I think the winner of this game is likely to make the playoffs and the loser of this game is unlikely to make the playoffs. So yeah, I think the stakes are as high as they have been all season for this game. I mean, you want to, you want to already talk about it spiraling out of control from a, from a fan perspective right now, lose this one, (laughs) you know? Uh, but, and but, I, but I think again, we said the same thing last week. <laughs> we did. No, we did. I call it a must win. Um, and but because some other teams got Pittsburgh some quote unquote help, the Texans losing, the um who's the other team that lost? The Colts, of course, losing that kind of maybe made things uh, a little a little easier to to deal with. But again, this goes into the extension talk of, you know, do you have him as a lame duck coach, which has not happened before? Um, but I mean also, you know, you talked about can you give that guy an extension sooner than usual? If you don't make the playoffs, do you want two weeks later this storyline to be Mike Tomlin receives extension after just you know collapsing towards the end and losing out? You might want to do that one more quietly in April when people have kind of cooled off from how the season ended. All right, let's move on to Bryce here. Can we please, for the love of God, retire the narrative that Trubisky's being aggressive? Uh, the fact he the fact is he is reckless with the football because he has a low football IQ, can't read past his first progression and tops it off with poor throwing mechanics and fundamentals. Been in the league seven years and he has basically not progressed much from his early seasons aside from his play against Tampa Bay a couple of years ago, a manageable game against the Panthers last season. He has done barely anything worth noting while in a Steeler uniform. It's hard to watch. I don't see much of a question there. I mean, his aggressiveness is leading to uh, reckless, all that's tied together. Yeah, I think he's just trying to frame it as aggressive, a more positive connotation, whereas Trubisky, you see more negative outcomes Outcomes he wants to use, that the negative connotation, which is fair. Right? I think he has, again, they're just trying to find that line. You want to be able to push the ball downfield. They need it. We talked about the lack of chunk plays and too many third downs and the issues there. There's just times where you have to pick and choose your spots, and Trubisky does not seem to 
walk that line well. Richard Jameson, uh, can you please teach us about the search process for a coordinator? I know that both inside football and outside, most hiring decisions are made through networking, hiring people you know. However, it seems that Mike Tomlin happens not to know people who turn out to be excellent (laughs) offensive coordinators. No knock on him, he says. Omar Khan probably has much the same network as Tomlin. How might the Steelers find an offensive coordinator outside their normal network? Well, I mean, I, I... Richard, A, no, we cannot teach you the search process for a coordinator. Uh, I understand the open-ended question there uh, of it, but having not done it, no way we can talk about it. Now, we can look at it from an outside and all like that, uh, but a lot of – Richard, I think you answered a lot of your own question there. I mean, it's it's a lot of networking there, and and as we've seen in the past, it's usually tied – somewhere being able to drill down in the bios of some of these hires and, and saying, well, one time these two work together. Sure. Usually it's, you know, I I apply this a bit more to head coaches or knew each other through a program like Canada. Yeah. Right. Usually it's, it's a, either you knew the guy or met him along the way, or, and again, this applies, I know it applies to almost all head coaching searches. I don't know how, it, how much, uh, how often it applies to coordinators, but consulting firms, uh, owners will, teams will go hire a consulting firm to create a list of candidates and vet them to some degree and give them a list of, you know, five or 10 names to kind of work through from there. Again, that's very common with head coaches. I don't know if it's as common with coordinators. It could be. Um, it's an option, though, I'm sure, if teams wanted to explore it. So usually it's some sort of networking or connection, or you go consulting firm to kind of do the work and uh, give you a more narrowed down list. Let's say uh, Mike Tomlin uh, uh, is the coach in uh, uh, this next offseason here. If you're Art Rooney II, do you demand to be heavily involved with the decision-making of the offensive coordinator, or uh, do you let Mike Tomlin shop for his own groceries? Well, it depends on what that means and how you define heavily involved. Is it choosing the candidate? Is it sitting in in the interview? Is it having final say? There's also going to be a question of, and and I usually stay away from these, uh, these, these talking points, but how much are you going to pay the guy? (laughs) <laughs> we don't. There's been the old, you know, reputation, or at least the claim that Pittsburgh does not pay their assistant coaches highly. I don't know the answer to that. Nobody knows the answer to that. Uh, the late Dan Rooney once said they don't pay the most, they don't pay the least, they pay on the high side of fair. Um, but if you wanted, say, to have the big swing for some up and coming name, probably have to pay for that guy. So you know, if they if they wanted to go that route, then Rooney's checkbook is on the line and then involved, and Rooney's going to probably have some say in that, additional say in that. How much do you envision – what do you envision Art Rooney II's uh, football IQ being? I mean, he's not going to break could, down, you know, could, ripple his match or something, <laughs> if that's what you're asking. Can you put him on the whiteboard? <laughs> you can and, have like, yeah. and a seal here and a seal here? Right. I mean – uh, those those might be the only place he knows. Yeah, probably, the old Lombardi stuff. He probably wishes they'd run a whole hell of a lot more of them like us, right? Power, uh, sure. uh, uh, at at his core. Uh, that how much? How much do you? In other words, do you think he knows what he's looking at when 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 looking at some of these other you know potential offensive coordinator candidates? I mean, I don't want to 
you know, assume anything about the guy. Yeah, he's not going to know the intricacies of a blocking scheme probably or something like that, but he's been around football long enough and, you know, with his dad and part of this franchise, I think he knows what it's supposed to look and feel like and how the organization ideally when it's successful, what, what success looks like and how that functions to some maybe broader degree about the people that you need to hire and, and the work relationships and the structure and organization and those types of things. So from that perspective, yeah, I'm sure he has a, a, a solid football IQ, but obviously he's not going to, he's not, he's not a coordinator, he's not a positional coach. He's not going to teach the technique of a, of a position or a player. How many owners are, are owners around the league or, or, or uh, owners, I guess, do you think are, Look, I, I'm I'm glad the Steelers are not like the, the the Cowboys, where Jerry Jones holds a scrum after every game. You know, mm-hmm. you're asking uh, how many owners are hands are, on or hands off? No, um, more. Ha, who who has a higher who who among them probably has a higher football IQ between Jerry Jones and no no Andy? just just across the league. I, I it's an impossible question to, yeah, to, I, to ask. I, I, I really, I mean, I just, should I, should owners have a higher foot? Let me tell well, you, I if I, if I, right? Well, it's an impossible question. Let me tell you, if 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 I were an owner, I would be heavily in tune with 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 the X's and O's. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, a lot of them come from maybe not always those backgrounds. You look at the you know Walton family, for example, that just bought the Broncos. I don't know how much they were watching all twenty two before. Buying uh, the the Broncos, they were kind of. But he's been around the game his whole life, you know. Sure. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it it varies. I don't view it as an owner from a a football IQ standpoint. I view it from a how hands on or how hands off are they? You have owners that are very hands on, like Jerry Jones, like Jim Irsay. You have more hands off owners. um, None coming to mind besides the Rooney's. Although I, I think the Rooney's are a bit more. The Rooney's set the table. They tell you what the the dinner should look like overall. They're not going to tell you the exact ingredients or the exact process of how to get to that point. But, you know, when Art Rooney wanted a, a stronger Run running game in 2021, they go out and they draft Najee Harris. And we all knew they were going to do that. So I think Rooney, you know, tells them what the meal needs to be. The exact process to get there is up to the the, the front office, the GM, the coaches, et cetera. So he gives the loose per- parameters of what he would like to see the offense or the defense do. And then he lets, uh, uh, Con and 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 I guess what I'm getting at here is is if if Tomlin stays, there will be loose defined things that we hear every January. We got to run the football better, uh, kind of kind of things, and it's up to Tomlin to meet those expectations through whatever hire. That's my interpretation, just based on my knowledge. I don't have anything you know definitive that would say that. I think Art Rooney issues the mission statement each year. And probably after this year, it's going to be, we got to make Kenny Pickett work. We have to develop Kenny Pickett. That's why Matt Canada was fired. And Tomlin cited the lack of development with Kenny Pickett, um, obviously. And so I think the run game was has been better this year. And so maybe be less of a talking point. The, the narrative, the declaration, the mission statement is going to be fix Kenny Pickett. Okay. Uh, so in other words, what you're telling me is, uh, is we can probably not count on Art Rooney, uh, uh, the second under a, uh, uh, alias name, writing a post for Steeders Depot says the top five offensive coordinators of Steeders should consider. If he, if he wants to art, send it our way. We'll make it happen. Rart Uni, uh, make up some sort of fictional name or whatnot. But, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, anyway, that, 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 uh, I don't, I don't envision 
I, I envision it like you do, Art, having loose parameters. This is what I think the direction a team needs to go, especially offensively. Go find an offensive coordinator that you think can get that done. Yeah, the question is how we, we believe external candidate, if they stay internal, I mean, that would be mm. not going to sit well with mm. any of the fan base. Uh, Ari Selzer writes in, hi, David Knox, mostly just venting here with the long week, but it feels like ever since the end of the Killer Bees era, the team has been trying to grasp onto this Super Bowl window they think is still there, even though all of the all-star, even all, all the star players who opened that window left the team or aged out. I feel like this is why they hire internally and drafted these NFL-ready players instead of taking swings at developing stars It could be that could open the next window. I, it felt like Colbert in particular wanted to put in quick fixes, which I think led to a pretty disastrous end to his otherwise great career. He writes, I think this is also why Tomlin needs to go. He's a great coach, but he was very explicit when Ben retired that he didn't want a long rebuild. That, that might be what this team needs. He writes, and if he doesn't want to lead, lead it that's understandable but they should then find someone on the same timeline as the roster he says also with all the other internal turnover in the past few years I feel like there's no one there who can stand up to Tomlin when he may be off base let me know what you guys think uh keep up the good work that's a lot to chew on there I mean it, it does feel like more than more of a rant than anything look I I once again I, I go back to coming out of the preseason here uh, what, what my expectations were. And once again, I shame on me. Uh, I got, I got way too caught up in the preseason with this team and, and what they were able to accomplish during the preseason here. Um, uh, I drank way too much of the Kool-Aid, but uh, coming out of that, my thought was, man, this should be a team that you see the quarterback progress. Uh, they have a talented enough roster. They should be able to get into the playoffs. They should be able to win at least a playoff game to get that onus off the back. And then the thought coming out of the 2023 season is that the a new Super Bowl window has opened. And I just don't feel that right now. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot I can respond to in terms of are there people that can stand up to Tomlin? Um, you know, Marcon has been in that building longer than Tomlin. I understand the point. I think Tomlin probably gained some more influence post Colbert because he was one of the decision makers that you know, has now been there the longest. Of course, there's, there's Art Rooney as well. My my only thought that I could offer back is, and I, I may think about this some more and write about this in the offseason, I think Kevin Colbert did a really good job as, as a Steelers GM. I think he gets too much criticism. I think even in the, in the later years, he got too much criticism uh, that people said he fell off uh, as a drafter, maybe to some extent. I think it just got more competitive, harder to hit. But I think a 2017 class, for example, looked you know, spectacular. Um, but I think maybe his greatest mistake was feeling obligated to leave this team with a quarterback and to stay on and hang on for that last 22 draft and, you know, I think he was pretty hell bent on getting a quarterback and trying to leave that for the next guy. And maybe he should have not done that. Let the next regime, whoever that may be, choose the quarterback of the future instead. Okay, fair enough. Uh, 
Let's see. Jordan Walls writes in, hey, guys, as I left Akershire Stadium Thursday night thinking the Steelers quarterback situation could not be worse, I somehow feel even worse about it now after watching countless teams, including uh, the Giants and Tommy DeVito, look miles ahead of this team. Uh, Is this a case of poor quarterback play or is this a case of incredibly poor coaching on the offensive side of the ball? For what it's worth, I would like to see Kenny for one more uh, year with a competent offensive staff before giving him uh, the boot. It's a fair question. Uh, it is frustrating to see. The Look, Tom, Tommy DeVito could turn back into a pumpkin in the next two games. You know, uh, once again, I, I usually like to see these guys get about 20, 20 games under their belt, then then see where they look at now. But without a doubt, I mean, Tommy DeVito drove that team down down the field, right, to uh, to get the field goal. And, and, uh, I mean, and, and all look from what I, I've not cracked open the all 22 on, on him, but from what I see, I mean, is, is he playing without, is, is he, is he playing because he's got nothing to lose because of his situation? Is that helping his cause? And yeah, I mean, I probably all the above, um, newness to defenses. They don't know who he is and his strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. I, he's not, I doubt, you know, I don't mean to have the DeVito, slander here, but he's probably not going to be the long-term option of the New York Giants five years from now, but you know... They, they sure think he is right now, uh, the fan base. Yeah. yeah, I get it. I mean, enjoy the moment for sure. They've been starved for good quarterback play for you know, five-plus years, so I, I, I'm good with that. Enjoy the moment. Um, but you're, you're right. He's going to turn back into a pumpkin, but I'll take Cinderella for a couple of games mm-hmm. just to get, get you through. Like, if Pittsburgh had Cinderella for two, three games, that's probably enough to get you in the playoffs. Um, has Pickett ever been Cinderella for a moment? Maybe some late games last year against the Raiders and the Ravens, the heroics to, to win those, but you know, there's some, you're not even kind of getting some of the moments and certainly not, not the production that, that other teams are. So um, I think that it does reflect coaching and scheme. Let me see if I have any more in here. Uh, I think we got through most of them here overall. So I think we filled the show up pretty good uh, overall. Uh, anything else to add? Uh, Alex, the coordinators talk uh, today on this Wednesday. So we'll be recapping, Anything uh, worth talking about on the Friday show? We'll obviously start getting into the Colts game on Saturday and previewing that as part of the Friday show as well, too. We have a right now beat rider lined up. Hopefully that carries through and we can deliver that uh, to people on Friday. Apparently, Stephen A. Smith is ticked off at Big Ben. So we're going to go listen to those comments and see what Stephen A. Smith is all mad about today. Is Ben always going to be this guy now? In the sense of so, what? some people say that Ben's constantly going to be a thorn in whatever quarterback's sides uh, the Steelers have moving forward. I'm not sure how. That he's I, in other words, constantly is he going to keep himself in this limelight and 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 be the guy that's the internal yet not internal analyst? I guess you know you know what I'm saying. Are we, are we five years from now, are we going to be writing about Ben Roethlisberger's thoughts on whoever the Steelers quarterback <laughs> is? Uh, I don't know. It depends how long he wants to do the podcast for. I mean, it's been, I guess, going pretty well for him, it seems like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, he's doing the podcast. He seems to be enjoying it. There's been a decent reception. So I, I have no idea what his long-term plans with that is, though. Uh, do you know what Stephen Smith's mad about particularly here? No, I just saw the uh, the uh, headline. Probably something about that Ben hung on for too long and, I don't know, didn't play well towards the end. Something to get mad about. Also, North Dakota loves Pittsburgh. Had the uh, uh, article this morning. It's apparently the Steelers were the most visited team page per pro football reference 
in North Dakota, not in Pennsylvania. The Eagles etched out the Steelers in PA, but North Dakota, apparently big Steelers fans. Have you ever been uh, up, up that way? I have not. Have you? No, no. All and right. I, I damn sure I'm not going to go when it's cold. <laughs> Amen to that. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll get back after on Friday, uh, Alex. And let's see, until then, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteelersDepot.com. Hit the donate button upright navigational bar. Also, if you like an ad free version, SteelersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button. And until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.